Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's reading is from the Torah, Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 through 11. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied, we'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please, leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Here ends the reading. Why did God allow coronavirus 19 to take place? Google that question. And when you Google it, you will find a wide variety of answers. And one of the most frequent connections between that question and the answers are two words, Sodom and Gomorrah. A perfect example was one of the entries that I clicked. The article said the following, Televangelist Pat Robertson claimed abortion and same-sex marriage are partly to blame for the coronavirus. The 90-year-old Christian Broadcasting Network founder suggested that God won't end the coronavirus pandemic until people turn from their wicked ways. Robertson continues, you confess your sins and forsake them. Then he heals the land. It's not before. Now, Pat Robertson is not the only one that is making that connection between homosexuality, the LGBTQ community, same-sex marriage, and the coronavirus. They see this as a judgment from God upon our culture today. 
And they say that it is very parallel to the judgment that God did against Sodom and Gomorrah because of their homosexual intentions. But is that what Sodom and Gomorrah really teaches? Is that why God decides to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Or is there another possibility? Is it possible that we have become so comfortable in looking at one particular way of interpreting the text and interpreting in that way because of the bias of particular translations that we have basically put on blinders and we're not willing to see any other options? Even the text that was read for us, the translation that was used, the translators took liberty in allowing and encouraging us to think about that text from one particular point of view and not even being open to other possibilities. So I want to, today, I want to re-examine that passage and stop and ask, why did God judge and eventually destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And what in the world does that have to do with coronavirus? There are four clues that you will find scattered throughout the passage. Some of them are so quickly to go past that we miss out. For example, the first clue is that Lot was sitting at the city gate. Now, please understand, Lot wasn't there just hanging out and drinking tea or getting a suntan. Lot was there because the city gate was kind of their courthouse. It's where people went to have their various conflicts adjudicated for them. And because it says that Lot was sitting there, he was probably one of those individuals. So if you had a conflict with another individual and you needed to have it resolved, you would go to the city gate and one of those individuals that would be there was Lot. So that was one of the reasons why Lot was at that city gate. But there was another reason. He was the gatekeeper. What does that mean? If you go into some of the previous chapters, you'll find out that Sodom had been in battle. That there was an external threat to their city. And so when there was this external threat, often like you find in movies like Game of Thrones and things like that, the people will come in to the city and they basically shut it down. They kind of shelter in place, if you would. But when the threat was still there, but it wasn't as imminent, they would open the gates. But they would be very careful on who they would allow to come into the city. So this makes perfect sense that these two strangers come to the city, and it is Lot's job to be the gatekeeper. He has to vet them to make sure that they will not be a threat if he allows them into the city. The text tells us that Lot invites them to his home, and when he invites them into the home, one of the things that happens is the, the two strangers say, no, 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 no. We're going to stay out here in the plaza. We'll just stay the night out here. And Lot says no. What Lot does is an act of hospitality, yes, but it's far more than just that. Lot says, look, you're under my care. My reputation is on the line. 
I am responsible for you. And so therefore, you're not just sleeping out and having free will of the city. You're coming into my house. If you would, Lot shows them hospitality, but at the same time, Lot puts them under house arrest. They don't have the freedom to go anywhere. And the text also tells us that Lot had said to them, look, you got one night and then you're gone. So Lot is functioning in his capacity as one of the core leaders of that city. He's putting his reputation, his honor on the line. Now again, understand the situation. The people in the city are afraid. They're afraid that if strangers come into their midst, that they may be spies, that they may actually sabotage them and be means by which this external threat can enter into their city. So it kind of makes sense that two groups of men decide to come in and find out what's going on. The text says that there was a group of older men and younger men. Now, many people interpret that to mean that all the men in the city are involved. Probably not. What usually happened in a city like this, a city-state government, was you had the older leaders and you also had a group of younger leaders. And together, they would govern the city. And so, what the text is basically telling us is that these two groups of people, they come to Lot's home. And this is where the translators use, I believe, too much freedom. Literally, the text says, let us know these men. Now, that word know can be translated as a sexual activity. It is also can be understood in the sense of knowing, in the sense of investigating They were going to interrogate these strangers. So what's the big deal? The big deal is they're doubting Lot. They're calling Lot into question. They don't trust him. They dishonor him. But Lot knows that when people back then did their investigation and their interrogation, It wasn't always kind. It wasn't always nice. They often turned to torture as a way of trying to get people to confess why they were originally there to begin with, what their intent was. And that's why Lot steps up and says, no, 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 no. Don't do that to these people. And so Lot says something now that again has created all sorts of questions about the role of women in the Bible. And it's really fascinating because a lot of people take that as Lot taking his virgin daughters and saying, oh, by the way, don't have sex with my strangers that are in my house, but instead have sex with my two daughters. But given what we just said, The other possibility, to me, makes better sense. It's what we call, the word just slipped my mind. It's what we call hostage exchange. What Lot is saying is, look, these strangers, I've put my reputation, my name on the line. You can't have them. 
However, to show you how much you can trust me, I will give you something of equal value. My two daughters, who are very valuable to me, and they are of much, as much value as these strangers. Law said that they were to protect his daughters. This hostage exchange was not a free-for-all for them. Law said, you cannot hurt them. And if in the morning the strangers don't leave, then you can do with the strangers what you desire. That's the issue at stake here. But for these groups of individuals that are outside his door, there's an emotion that is so strong for them right now that they cannot allow themselves to abide by the laws and customs of the time that were founded on justice. They were afraid. They were scared to death. And that fear evoked within them the desire to hurt Lot. They wanted to expend that energy of that fear in a tangible way. So if you really stop and think about it, the issue here has nothing at all to do with sex. What it does have to deal with is what happens when we allow our fears and our own self-interest to override what would be considered the cultural sense of justice of the time. Rather than trusting lots and accepting these strangers into their presence, their fear won't let them, that happen. Now, this may be a new way of looking at the text for you, but it wasn't my idea. This is something that actually has been around for over a thousand years. Listen to what a rabbi, in talking and explaining the conditions of Sodom at that time, listen to what he says. The people of Sodom made a proclamation. Everyone who strengthens the hand of the poor or the needy with a loaf of bread shall be burnt by fire. If you give anyone who's hungry, a panhandler, a homeless person, if you give anyone that is in need a loaf of bread, you deserve to be burned by fire. The rabbi continues. The daughter of Lot was wedded to one of the magnates of Sodom. One day she saw a certain very poor man in the street of the city. And her soul was grieved on his account. What did she do? Every day when she went out to draw water, she put in her bucket all sorts of provisions from her home, and she fed that poor man. The men of Sodom says, How does this poor man live? When they ascertained the facts... They brought her forth to be burnt with fire. She said, Sovereign of all worlds, maintain my right and my cause at the hands of the men of Sodom, 
and her cry ascended before the throne of God. In that hour, the Holy One, blessed be He, said, I will now descend and I will see. I will see whether the men of Sodom have done according to the cry of this young woman. And it is said, I will now descend, and I will see whether they have done according to what she cried out, and that is why I have come down. Rabbi, who, when he reflected on this story, created for us a fictitious account to describe why it was that God judged Sodom. He doesn't say anything about sex. Instead, he points out that how we treat other people, how we treat the strangers in our midst, how we treat those that are in need, that that is a reflection on our covenant with God. If you are in covenant with God, then you are in covenant with all people. So what in the world does this have to do with coronavirus? For me, two things. Number one, be careful what you think and what you listen to. There are so many passages throughout the Bible that we have been taught, and we just accept them. But those passages and the way we accept them can be really dangerous, and they can be harmful. For example, right now in this pandemic, there are so many different ideas out there And they're coming from all different sorts of levels, from the highest to the lowest level. And we need wisdom. Because some of those comments, if we follow them, they will either kill us or get someone else killed. And the same thing happens when it comes to the Bible. It is so easy for ministers like myself to just take what's out there, what we were taught, and then regurgitate it back to people. But it is our responsibility as ministers and your responsibility to, as you listen to ministers, to really stop and think about what this is saying about humanity and God perhaps be a little bit more tentative. I don't know if I'm right, but if I'm going 50-50, I'm coming down with this idea that Sodom was a wicked place, and that story is to teach us that we need to be kind to each other. Israel has continually reminded in the Old Testament, remember something, Israel, the text always says, is you were foreigners, You were the stranger. So, doggone it, treat people better. Treat the stranger better. That's where I'm coming down. 
This has, in my opinion, nothing to do with sex. And that says a lot about God. Second application about coronavirus. When I go out walking, I don't wear a mask. I can't breathe very well with that mask on. And I try to walk quickly. So I need as much air as I can get into these lungs as possible. Which means I pay a lot of attention to other people that are out on the streets. And if I see someone coming toward me, I will go out of my way to provide eight, eight feet, not six, eight to ten feet distance between us. The reality is, I'm suspect of them, and they're suspect of me. I imagine in my mind what's going to happen as we slowly roll back these stay-at-home orders. They say that we are to go out, and if we are going to be in public, we need to wear masks. We need to maintain physical distancing. This could go on six months, a year. I am concerned that in this process over time, this unintentional idea that we have to be careful around other people will cause us to become even more suspect of the strangers in our midst. I mean, just listen to the political rhetoric that is out there right now and how we continue to talk about the strangers, the others. I am concerned that that will become so much a part of us that we'll miss the lesson of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, we need to be cautious, but that doesn't mean we exclude and treat other people poorly because they're not just like us, and they're the strangers. This is an awesome opportunity in the midst of all of the pain and chaos. This is an awesome opportunity for each and every one of us to re-examine what it is we believe about God. And then in turn, what that tells us about how we see ourselves and other people. One of the challenges that we are also going to face is what they call compassion fatigue. Right literally before I stood up to record this, on my iPad it flashed up and it said that 299 people yesterday here in Phoenix were identified as positive with coronavirus. The death numbers continue to rise, not only here in Phoenix, but in Arizona, in our nation, and throughout the world. Will we become compassionate fatigue, where those numbers will just be numbers and no longer lives? We can't let that happen. Now is the time for us to remember that we have an obligation to our God 
and to each other, that we treat each other with justice, and we do not allow fear in our own self-interest to in any way hinder us from making love real for another human being. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.